0: What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Crossed Up. Anthony Sanfilippo is here. I'm Bob Wankel. And Anthony, uh, we've had a, a little day off here, an unexpected day off uh, after the Phillies take two out of three against the Kansas City Royals. And I want to go back to something that you said when we recorded on Friday. Mm-hmm. You said that if the Phillies lost a game to the Royals, that would be the game that we would fixate on, not the fact that they won the series. And I don't know if that's true or not. I'd like to kind of take your temperature on that here in a second, but it was a struggle to beat that Royals team. Like we came out of that weekend and I think that everyone feels pretty good. Trey Turner's fixed now because the fans were able to to bring him back to life and that's that's I know I know you probably want to talk about that at some point. Uh, but, I mean, it was it was a struggle all weekend to, to win that series. And credit to them, the offense woke up finally against a Bad Royals pitching staff. And there were some pretty good things, I think, that transpired. There were some bad things that transpired. So we definitely have a lot to talk about today. And uh, before we, we move forward, kind of just maybe get some, some opening thoughts here where you're at after this weekend.
1: So, I think that the loss gets masked by the entire trey turner thing like when we last talked we weren't expecting that right we weren't expecting that was a movement that had just like was in its infant stages (laughs) when we were recording on friday and then it just went bonkers that day and then of course you know the standing ovations and all that um so in my mind the lost friday is still something that i think is cannot be overlooked you're supposed to beat the kansas city royals they stink now to their credit i mean they had won a bunch of games in a row coming into the series they uh play a a fun style of offense i mean they they bunt they run they are they're fast you know they're aggressive um they hit the ball i mean they they hit all i mean really they hit every pitcher you know at at some point um nola was terrible on friday sanchez had his worst start since coming back gave up a bunch of hits they they pounded wheeler or i mean um walker early and you know then walker settled in uh which we got to talk about him a little bit and and what's happening with him that's kind of a completely odd scenario but you know so give the royals a little bit of credit i mean for a team that's you know 40 games under 500 to be playing with that kind of aggressiveness and I had some you know I had a player tell me he said listen he said for the Royals in a lot of ways this is this is like one of those they're only gonna have a handful of series the rest of the season that are that you get up for and one of them playing in front of sold out crowds you know against the nationally defending nationally champions is going to be one of those those games and I guess you know I guess you know that's a telltale for them it's like kind of something that they're looking forward to so again good credit to them but I you know Part of me is like you're, you're making your life more difficult when you lose games the way you lose them against bad teams. And look, I'm not, I don't sit here and say – I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, that's going to come down to the last game of the season because it's not. But it's one day longer now that you have to play meaningful baseball in the regular season than you would have if you just took, took – you know, did your job on friday
0: so they don't win the game friday and like we'll get to the trey turner stuff and we'll get to the bryce harper uh, pandering special which like we'll, we'll just get to all that because i have a lot to say and it's kind of a weird conversation like there, it, it feels like if you you play it out on social media it's like you're either staunchly against what happened this weekend and you think it was a travesty and an embarrassment and a front to the city of Philadelphia and what this fan base is all about and decades of, you know, we're tougher and we expect more. And then there's this like, rah, rah, this is the greatest thing of all time. And I actually hated it at first. And then as the weekend progressed, I know that I think we're opposite on this as the weekend went along. I think you became more agitated and I was like, you know, this is actually kind of cool. But like, I want to just get to the baseball stuff because that conversation's been had on WIP now for, for four days. It's been written about. I, I almost feel like it's exhausted. So I don't want to leave with that. My biggest takeaway from this weekend, and I, I hate to be this guy because there were a lot of different uh, a lot of different issues. You know, you you mentioned Christopher Sanchez. He struggled. Tywan Walker struggled. But I, I keep coming back to Aaron Nola, and I, I don't want Aaron Nola to dominate the conversation today, but I, I'm having a hard time with this because when you look about, when you look at this and when you look ahead, it's about, okay, when you get into the playoffs, are you feeling good about Zach Wheeler? Are you feeling good about Aaron Nola? Because those two guys are going to give you a chance to win a short series. Well, we talked about Aaron Nola all season, and we've noted the positives. If you look beyond ERA, you look beyond the home runs, you see the batting average against is pretty good. The whip is still good. He pitches a lot of innings. Fangraphs likes him. He still has uh, value in terms of war. Like, here's, here's the thing. His last five starts, so he had that gem against the Rays on the 4th of July. In his five starts since then, he has a five six four ERA, and hey, right? He hasn't been helped by his defense. We all know that. Well, he also has a four ninety two fielding independent pitching. So, like his his FIP right now is. 492, it's not good. So remove the shitty defense, he's still been pretty ineffective. Opponents are hitting 280 against him, which is pretty high. And they also have an 846 OPS against him. And in 30 innings, he's allowed eight home runs. And you're sitting there and you might be saying to yourself, okay, great, Like you just you just rattled off a bunch of stats. He hasn't been good. I know that. I see that with my own eyes. But even more problematic when you take it a step further is, here are the five teams that he's pitched against dating back to the uh, – to, to, July 9th, I believe it is, the day before the All-Star break. Miami, 27th in runs scored. Milwaukee, 23rd in runs scored. Cleveland, 26th. Pittsburgh, 24th. Kansas City, 29th. These are bottom feeder offenses, and he's getting his doors blown off right now. And you can be nuanced, and you can understand that he has value, and he's not a bum, he's not a number five, you know, he's not a choke artist. I think people get carried away, but this is a problem now. Like, you cannot objectively look at the season that Aaron Nola has put together, and especially over the last month plus now, and say, I feel really good about where he's at. I'm fully confident that down the stretch, he's just going to turn into the guy that he's been at times for this team, which is one of the better pitchers in baseball. He's a mess right now, and I don't know what to make of it
1: yeah it, I, it's not been good there's no doubt about it it's really not been good but uh, do i think it's a problem i don't at least not yet um, how, how do you not like I, i'm and i uh, don't mean this like disrespectfully
0: but like, how do I know, you know and not i'll explain problem
1: well i'll explain so you know it's interesting i i listened to the dombrowski interview that he did yesterday uh i think it was yesterday it might have been the day before with uh jason stark and doug landville and they had him on for a good half hour and he was going through all of this you know and and he makes a lot of sense with, with what he was saying. And it's it's that – and again, this is not any kind of defense against the way Noel pitched because he's pitched like shit, okay? For five games, he's been terrible. There's no doubt about it. But I think that they recognized that their pitchers were kind of hitting a, a little bit of a wall, most of them. Wheeler, Wheeler's been – he's found his way through a little bit. But the rest – the other ones, you know, Suarez has struggled – walkers can't throw 90 miles per hour until like the third inning of a game. Right. Noel has been so bad. So like they, they found that this has been, been an issue. So he addressed this and he said that, you know, that was why they wanted to get Lorenzen and get a sixth starting pitcher. He said, not because we're worried about necessarily worried about these guys, not being able to perform up to their level, but because it gives them an opportunity to, to get a, get a little bit healthier. And, and that's kind of an interesting thing when you hear him say that, because the idea is is that maybe they know why these guys are where they are, you know, and that as if you if you give them more time here down the stretch to kind of stay healthier, only throw on a on a less regular basis, whatever the case might be, that come October they'll be a lot a lot fresher than than maybe they were even a year ago. Um, so that's the only reason why I'm not yet panicked about any pitcher, for that matter. In specific, here to Nola. That said, there's so much wrong about what he's doing out there, and it's all Bob when there's runners on base. Yeah, I mean, he keeps talking about it. Doesn't it? Doesn't bother him when he gives up a solo homer? And I, I know fans get frustrated by that, but I kind of understand that, right? every pitcher has mistakes that they make throughout a game. They're they going to miss a spot. They're going to throw the wrong pitch, whatever the case might be. Um, and because he's not a fireball or 98 mile per hour guy, he pays for that mistake more than anybody else. So I, I, I kind of, you know, people are going to roll their eyes at it. But when he says the solo homers don't bother me, I, I understand why. But that's not even the issue to me. It's that he really has been struggling with guys on base. And he has not figured out a way to kind of get himself set from a physical, mental perspective. Like he had, a, he used to be a—he's a very rhythm pitcher, and he's figured out that rhythm for the, sh- the windup. But he has not figured out that rhythm. It's been a season-long thing out of the stretch, and like that to me is that's the red flag. And if if that doesn't improve, regardless of the opponent, I mean, look, he's going to face a couple more bad teams coming up here. Right. He's going to face Washington. Right, He's going to get um, – who, who the hell else is, are, they, are they playing coming up? That, that's really bad. But the point being that he's, he's going to face a couple more bad teams. So even if he gets right, let's just say in his next couple of starts, the, the narrative is going to be, well, he finally beat bad teams. Oh, he's beating bad teams. Okay. That's fine. But I, you, you, I think the idea is you need to see him get better over the course of the next six weeks. If he does, then I think we're okay come August if not then i think we can have a different conversation you know towards the end of the season than we're having right now
0: what is the likelihood based on what has happened this year to this point is he more likely to be here next year because he is has not been that guy that has is taken the possibility of a 200 million dollar contract by the balls or is is he a guy that you know I think fans across the region here are saying, like, I don't think I want to go anywhere near this for another five or six years after what I've watched this season. Is it just possible that that he's his career is just sort of taking a turn here?
1: No, Aaron Nola is going to get paid. He is whether going to it's get paid. whether he, it's here or somewhere else. He's going to get paid. Is
0: he going to get paid what he would have gotten paid? If if he were a free agent at the end of last season, he might get like that.
1: He might get a little bit. Has he actually cost himself money this season? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's when you have a down year, I mean, yes, of course, and you have a down year going into your free agency year, it probably costs you a little bit of money. But I think that I think that like you said, when you look at the underlying numbers, I think that teams are looking at those. I mean, Dombrowski was talking about comparing players at the deadline and the way he was describing it and it was the way he was answering questions because Stark was asking him about, you know, not getting a left fielder, um, a right-hand hitting left fielder. And he was talking about what do they add? And he's talking about in terms of war. Yeah. Like, do we really want to get a guy who's 0.5 war or more than, right. you, know, what we, you know, is that really going to help us? And it's like, okay, so, they, so teams are obviously thinking about that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that – I think when you look at analytical numbers, you look at Aaron Nola and you look at the fact that he's a workhorse who doesn't get injured – you know, yeah. Teams, he's going to get paid. Is he going to get two hundred million dollars? No. I, I, and I thought that two hundred million was probably, yeah, unless he went just... out and had a Cy Young season this year, was probably a, a ridiculous number to begin with, right? I, I kind of thought he was in that one seventy five range. You know, at the beginning of the year, does he go down to like one sixty? Can you can I see it be a five year one hundred sixty million dollar kind of deal for Nola? Yeah. Now, the question is, is it here or is it somewhere else? And the answer to that is, you know, I don't know, but I, I look at it and I think that it's I think it's more likely to be here now than it maybe was earlier in a year. And, and primarily because, you know, now Painter's out until 25. Right. Right. So you can't have your your young prospect superstar come up. Wheeler's only got one more year left on his deal right so you're like okay now now what and so you know where are you with with your other prospects like Abel and McGarry and really if you're in the window to try and win championships are you going to turn over your rotation to two-thirds three-fifths of it to 20 21 22 year olds right I, I don't I don't think so so I think that the likelihood of him coming back is more likely now than it was earlier in the year But I don't know. It's not a slam dunk by any stretch of the imagination.
0: Yeah, I mean, these two questions sort of exist together right now in in unison. It's, well, what Aaron Nola are we going to get down the stretch? And then, by the way, what's his value and what do you do with him beyond this year when it finally when the dust settles? And um, when you watch him from start to start, it's 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 a lot of things. It's exhausting. It's frustrating. It's been exasperating in a lot of ways. Um, and they really need him to get it figured out. And, you know, if, if the solution here is that Michael Lorenzen comes in and buys them a little extra time and gets them healthier and he turns the corner here in mid-August and beyond, then, then I think then you can start to feel good about what this Phillies team might look like in October. My, my mind has just shifted seven weeks from now. I, the, the Phillies can blow this. I, I said this last week. They could not make the postseason. It's, it's possible. It's not outside the realm of possibility, but in my mind, they are in, like, I just think that they are in for, for a lot of different reasons. I think that they're good enough. I think that their competition stinks. Every time you look up, you're like, okay, there go the reds. Now they're, they're going off the rails. The brewers can't hit again. Like you just go through the Padres, like everyone's like, here comes, here come the Padres. Well, then they they get destroyed by the Dodgers this weekend. They're up five nothing yesterday, trying to get a series split in not a must win game, but a critically important game against LA. And then they give up an eight spot in the fifth, and they they lose thirteen to seven. Like that is not what a a legitimate contender does in that spot. And so we watch the Phillies and we go, Aaron Nola, now the rotation's not uh, pitching as well, and the bullpen looks shorter, and they're, they're losing games to, to teams that they should beat. Well, guess what? Like, the Pittsburgh Pirates last night beat the Atlanta Braves, who are now under 500 since the All-Star break. Like, if you just take a step back and you look at it league-wide, like, I just think that the Phillies slot in. But now everything is about October. It's not, hey, I need Aaron Nola to – figure it out this week against the Nationals it's I, I need I need yeah. I need to figure it out seven weeks from now
1: and I think that that's their plan here you know it was, it was interesting because we were, we asked Rob Thompson yesterday before they banged the game um, you know w- what it what next week is going to look like you know because they have two off days next week they have Monday and Thursday off they got that weird two games in Toronto and they have an off day on either side and he didn't say specifically, what was going to happen but he did say you know we'll, we'll probably adjust our rotation at that time and give guys who need extra time off extra time off and so that to me sounds like Aaron is going to pitch Thursday against Washington and then I think he's getting a week off I don't think he pitches again until that Washington series the following weekend it might not be till Saturday or Sunday so he might get like eight nine days off because they can, right? They can give him that time. Um, and I, I think that, that their plan is let's just be healthy in October. And the regular season numbers are not going to matter. We don't care what everybody's individual statistics are in the regular season. And we're going to go into the playoffs as a veteran team that knows how to win. And we're going to go with our guys. And the, our guys are going to be the ones that are going to have to get us there. And that's, and that's going to be their mentality. And that I means that so, so like, you know, you hear people say Nola shouldn't start in the playoffs. He's going to start game, he's going to start game two of a series. Wheeler's going to start game one. Nola's going to start game two. Is there uh, it's just, any it's world, happen.
0: is there any world in which he's healthy and he does not? No. What if over the next, I don't know, eight starts? he has numbers similar to the five that we've just seen. And and then all of a sudden it's a 13 game stretch where he's pushing five, six ERA. I'm just serious. Like it's not that crazy of a thought anymore. Like, do I expect if, if I had to bet on what is to transpire here, I think that Aaron Nola probably goes through a stretch of, of five or six starts where he's really good and we feel good about it again. And then there's probably a blow up. And then we just get to October and we say, Hope it works out. Like I don't think anything's going to be decided. Like, I don't think that you're going to go in with a definitive feel of what Aaron Nola is going to be or, or how he's going to perform in October. But I do think that there's going to be ups again. Like I don't, I don't think that we're just on a, a straight downward spiral here.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. I think that they look at it and probably say, just like anybody, any position player who struggles for a you know extended period of time, um, Aaron Nola is in one of those stretches where he's just not pitching well. And it's it may be a, end up being a terrible season for him, right? I mean, Cole Hamill's had it in 09, but yeah. Cole Hamill still pitched in the playoffs in 09. They went to the World Series, right? I mean, I so killed him when he was there. That game yeah, was it's Saturday <laughs> night. Yeah,
0: oh, I, mean, God. I mean,
1: I mean, so it, you know, even the teams are going to ride their play, their their guys. They're just going to do it. I mean, there's no, yeah, because you, you don't know. have any other. Like, There really your, what's your is option? not a plan
0: B here. There's not what's another option. Yeah.
1: You, ride, you ride your guys, yeah. and then you worry about reassessing in the offseason, right? And the funny thing is, is it's interesting. I, I recommend to everybody, it's rare that you say on, on one podcast that you recommend somebody listens to another podcast. But since it's a national podcast, it just happened to have an episode that ties into the Phillies. Go back and listen to yesterday's Starkville. Dave Dombrowski, in, I'm telling you, Bob, in a way, he laid the gauntlet down for the Braves. He talked about how good they are, how they're way ahead. He said, I'm, "He said we would be nuts to even think that we're going to catch them." He said, "Our goal right now is to get that first round home wild card." He says, "And that scares me." He says, "That first round series, the three game series, scares me because it's such a it's such a toss up, right?" He says, "So we want it. You know, you want to have it in your home ballpark, and we think that our home ballpark favors us as a team, and you know, obviously our fans and stuff." He said, "And then you look at the Braves, as good as they are," he says. They're are a probable second round opponent, but we're built to beat a team like that in a five game series. And he says, so you know, we we look forward to that possibility. And so, like you know, he basically was saying to the Braves, "We're, we're ready for you. Like you're not going to scare us. You're the way you're having this great season. It don't matter to us. Come October, it's a different it's a different ballgame. And that's a mentality. And it's something about this team that that allows me to." as frustrating as they are at times and the, yes they are very frustrating but it's it's that mentality it's that killer instinct it was schwarber telling us the other day that you know numbers don't matter to anybody it's all about winning all we care about is winning and it doesn't matter who does it when they do it how they do it as long as we win and that kind of team focus that that's what makes me believe that this phillies team is good enough to get back to the World Series. I don't necessarily, I won't predict them to get there because I, I I do still think Atlanta has done enough when you look at what they do during the season. Every time there's a big series against a team that's like that's pushing or getting, you know, that's hot, the Braves seem to like like wipe the floor with them. I mean, other than the Cubs this past, which they lost two of three to the Cubs. But yeah. other than that, one, but like every other time that they played a team that you're like, ah, big series, here you go against the Braves, Braves clean the floor with them. Yeah. And and that's just what they do. So I, I, I ultimately think they have that mentality too, which means it will be a hell of a series. But at the same time, I I understand it and I get it. And I'm and I and that's why I'm bullish on this team. Well, I know you don't
0: care about this stuff, but uh I, I will just put some numbers behind it. I don't know that we're getting out ahead of ourselves here, but uh, baseball Reference right now gives the Phillies an 83.1 percent chance to make the playoffs. fangrass right there with them, 82 percent. So this is certainly yeah. trending in a direction where the Phillies look like a probable playoff team. Um, I, I want to ask you about one other starting pitcher in particular, and and I think in a way you could go through and dissect each of these guys on an individual basis right now because. Uh, each one has their own special set of circumstances. And you think like is Zach Wheeler all the way back now is, is Ranger Suarez going to come out and, and scatter 10 hits over six innings again tonight? Or can he finally be a little, a little bit more sharp than he's been for the last month? And can, can Lorenzen duplicate what he did his first time out? Like all of these guys are pretty interesting right now. And I think each start is, is a, kind of like an interesting study really to, to kind of assess where they're at and how they might stack up moving forward. But Tylon Walker comes out on Sunday and you're thinking to yourself, all right, good win last night. They came back the, the Turner home run, like you're feeling good about it. And, and Tylon Walker comes out and gives up five hits. In the first inning on Sunday, and you know credit to him for hanging in there. He keeps his pitch uh, pitch count down after two tough innings. He gets through seven, and and you applaud that. You say, "Wow, good job!" He, he wins another start. He's, he leads the National League and wins. Uh, there's a lot of good things you can say about him here, but like you also can't overlook the fact that he gave up five hits in the first inning, and the ball's getting sprayed all around the field. And more problematic than that is, like, just here you go. I mean, Michael Garcia comes up, leadoff batter. First pitch of the game, 88.5 miles per hour sinker. Second pitch of the game, an 84.2 miles per hour cutter. Like, what is that? Like, how do you start a game with your velocity down by 4 to 5 miles an hour? And granted, yes, he's shown signs and ability to kind of increase the velo as the game goes on, but... That doesn't work over time. Like, you cannot say, hey, Taiwan Walker, here's a baseball in a game four of a playoff series, and he comes out throwing 86 miles an hour, and the Phillies are now 3 nothing in the first inning.
1: Yeah, so. and it's interesting, Bob. Like, like They don't seem to have answers, although the one thing that I thought was interesting that, um, that Thompson said after that start was, he said, it's a, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit of a dead arm issue. And you know that happens, right? I mean, you know that that happens to pitchers where they have where they have that feet, you know thing. And then I, I asked Walker after the game. I said, "Can you feel physically feel the difference from the first inning to the fourth inning in your arm?" And he said, and he gave me an answer. And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, you know, he's like that first inning. He's like, "I I don't necessarily it doesn't feel like I have what I need to have." And then by the fourth inning, I feel third fourth inning, I feel great. Um. And so it makes you wonder, like, how about changing up the pregame routine? You know, or here's another option. I know you don't ever want your pitchers throwing too many pitches, right, before before uh, they actually go out there and start. But maybe Taiwan Walker doesn't have to throw seven or eight innings in a game. Maybe Taiwan Walker only has to th- – you have a good enough bullpen. Maybe you only need him to throw five or six. So make him warm up a little bit harder – earlier so that in the first inning he's got that not 93 94, you know on life on his fastball like that the freaking Kansas City Royals aren't smacking all over the ball yard <laughs> right I mean that's what it, it was it was kind of it was like t-ball that first inning I couldn't write da- I couldn't write down the s- keep score fast enough they were just going up there like first pitch like bang 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 I was I couldn't believe it I was like what the hell's going on here yeah like that was unreal and he had, the same thing had happened to him. I think it was with Miami was the last time he had started, right? And the same thing happened there where first inning he like he was below 90. And then all of a sudden he found it again. So to, to me, it seems like a a routine issue, not necessarily the, the, that the player can't do what you want him to do. They call it dead arm. Okay, maybe it takes him just a little longer to get loose.
0: Yeah, it's pretty remarkable when you dive into the numbers, and I tweeted this out the other day and sent it to you actually towards the end of the game Sunday. But first inning this season, 675 ERA, and all other innings, a 3.46 ERA, 17 of the 56 earned runs that he's allowed this season have come in the first inning. And just to even take this a step further, like you look at it, uh, opponents this season are hitting 301 against him with an 866 OPS in the first inning the second best batting average that opponents have against him in any single inning beyond that is 261, and that comes in the seventh inning, and that's with a 607 OPS. Like It's the total inverse of what you would expect. As a game goes along and you see a lineup the second, the third time, the offense is supposed to become more effective against you, and he really has all season gotten stronger as the game goes on. And when you look at what happened Sunday – I would I would say, well, who cares? You know, he had a bad first inning and he settled down. Nice job. Let's move on. But it is a that that game is a microcosm of what has happened to him essentially all year. And there's a ton of value in a guy giving you seven innings and, yeah. and keeping a team off the board for the final six of them. But again, if this is about October and this is about a playoff series, there's nothing worse than than blinking and looking up at the scoreboard. He's given up four hits. There's three runs across, and there's still two guys on base with one out in the inning, and you go, what are we going to do here?
1: Yeah, so it's a, the, here's my interesting question on, on this because I'm glad you brought up October. So we already established that barring a, a complete and total meltdown by Nola the rest of the season, that Zach Wheeler or Aaron Nola are going to start games one and two of a, of a series, right? Let's imagine in, the, in that first-round wild-card series, you need all three games. Who's throwing game three? Well, my guess right
0: now is Ranger Suarez. But as I noted last week, I there's there's has to be at least some consideration to the thought that you're going to turn him into that jack of all trades type guy. Now, Ranger Suarez uh-huh. did start games last year for them in October. Correct. Uh, and he did against Atlanta. And it's so it's not like he was just in that that bullpen role the entire duration of the postseason, but but right now like, because if it's a deciding game three, I, I'm probably going with the guy that's pitched in big spots, the slow heartbeat that they like to talk about. Like, it just makes the most sense. But like if, if, if Lorenzen came out and, and shoved for the next two months, you'd say, okay, well, this guy's been one of the be- better pitchers in baseball now for a two-and-a-half-month run. Do you maybe give him the ball? I, I don't know. I think that there's probably at least a consideration there.
1: Yeah, so it's the question probably
0: not Taiwan Walker for me who might win 18 games this season.
1: I know, that's that's what I was trying to get to is because you, you have a guy on your team who's going to who's got a shot to win about eight, win 18 games. I don't think he I don't think he's going to I mean, he would have to win every remaining start to get to 20, right? And I don't think that's going to happen. Um but he can win 18 games for you and not pitch in the first first round. And and does that make him and then you say to yourself, well, is there value to having him on that on that roster in the first round? Because He's terrible in the first inning, right? Is he a guy you want to bring out of the bullpen?
0: <laughs> well, unless they do exactly what you just said, and he throws three innings worth in the bullpen, and then yeah, right he comes out in the sixth. You know, yeah. I, I maybe unless you
1: picky, bit. unless you want to do a right left piggyback in Game Three with him and Suarez, like who knows? I mean, it's it's an it's an interesting situation for the Phillies. I mean, I think come you know once you have the, a round where you need a fourth pitcher, he's going to pitch. Um, yeah. He's going to be the guy because they really do like the notion of having Lorenzen as a multifaceted weapon in the way that they use Suarez as a multifaceted weapon. Um, but I think you're right, Bob. I think, I think that it's a, it's a situation that's a little bit fluid right now.
0: All right. So uh, I want to uh, get, get off of this real quick and, and kind of turn it over to, um, and I, actually, I want to talk about Castellanos. I want to hit on Schwarber too. But uh, we we do need to talk about the vibes, right, and uh, everything that that happened down there this weekend, and and you wrote about it on Saturday morning about how that kind of did mask uh, what had transpired in the game, some of the issues that we saw on Friday night. But I'll just tell you where I'm I'm coming from on this, um, and and you know, like I Jack and I like I'm, I'm very friendly with Jack. I like Jack a lot. Uh, you know, he he comes out and kind of spearheads this let's applaud for Trey Turner thing. And I don't know if he was actually the one that came up with it, but he was obviously uh, behind it. And, and Well, he had the
1: biggest voice. Yeah. It gained some steam, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah.
0: And so then we spend all day Friday. Should we do this? Should we not? People are arguing on the radio about it. And I think there was a consideration of, would this be patronizing? Would this almost be offensive to the player? And – Listen, after the game, Trey Turner said all the right things, seemed to be receptive to it. Uh, the fans kept it up going into Saturday night. He hits a massive home run that, that really helps the Phillies win that game and probably avoid one of their more embarrassing losses of the season. It's a big moment. Everyone's going crazy. Everyone's having fun with it. And when, when this thing first came up, I kind of said to myself, like, this feels lame to me. And that's probably because I'm getting cranky. And, and in my defense – you know, I just spent the last two weeks with kidney stones and then <laughs> yesterday I had a tooth extraction and I couldn't talk and I'm bleeding and I'm crank. It's I've been in a lot of pain for the last like three weeks. So I don't know if it's just that I'm getting old and cranky. Uh, if it's because I haven't felt good, but I was like, this is stupid. Are these people serious? This guy's hitting 235. He's making 30 million a year. Like I, I took that side of it initially. And then I watched it play out and I was kind of like, I don't know. Is this, is this why Trey Turner hit the home run? No, I don't think so at all. And he was four for 12 against a bad Royals team. And, like, let's see what happens in the next few weeks. But in the moment, I just thought, what the hell? Why not? You know, fans are having fun out there. He hits the home run. He said the right things after the game. And everyone sort of had fun with it. Now, of course, this city, fans, like, they love to be told that they're good fans. Like, they, they they want to be part of the story, and I, I think that they often are, and I think often are in a favorable way. Like, I do think that the fans had an impact on what happened with this team last postseason. Like, certainly the players had to do it. Bryce Harper has to hit the home run in Game 5 against the Padres. Kyle Schwarber has to hit a bunch of key home runs. Reese Hoskins has to hit a bunch of key home runs. Zach Eflin and Ranger Suarez have to get outs out late in games. Like, if the players did it, but, like, as an ancillary part of the story, like the fans were a factor. So I thought it was kind of fun, but now I'm just ready to sort of turn the page and see what happens. Like I'm going to be down there for both games tonight. You're working. I'm going in with a couple friends and I'm going to have a bunch of beers. And like, <laughs> I, I hope that we're not cheering every time he comes to the plate like let's just it to me it was fun it was cool moment I was I I was surprised about the way I felt like I I I thought it was cooler than I thought it was going to be but like can we just move on now I think that's where I'm at
1: yeah it's it was a little bit of a perfect storm right because what happens if he doesn't hit the home run do we all think it's cool at that point
0: I don't know does he still have like three or four hits this weekend and like comes back from the dead to I mean if he went if he
1: went one for four in each game right and with you know single single double let's say right yeah yeah he had the one single and i guess it was friday night that drove in a run okay great but if he went let's say he doesn't hit the home run the home run is the difference right i mean that's the that's the that's that's the the moment that's what creates the but if he doesn't hit the home run do we all think it's still cool or are we sitting there are we sitting back saying uh that was just kind of a stupid thing that we did
0: But, but he did like and i know that that the result is, is not necessarily correlated to the process. Like, I, I Kyle Pagan, Saturday night, like, is trolling Fritz and does, like, the, I forget what beer he was drinking, Blue Moon or something for yeah. for Trey. And he says, you know, because some, some fat ass stood up and cheered that, that all of a sudden Trey Turner's going to hit home runs. But, like, I sort of disagree with that. Like, who cares that he hit the home run or didn't hit the home run? Like, people just had fun with it. Like, it was yeah. – there, what was the downside, I guess? And, so, and that's where I ultimately land. Like, well, is, I'll is it, what, like, I don't know. Is, the, the, downside, the downside, downside the downside,
1: the downside was and it, it turned out it didn't have to go to that point. But the downside was you do this and it, he doesn't respond. Then the negative reaction towards him becomes more visceral moving forward.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I think that
1: fans turn on him before. We had your back, Trey, and you still suck. We're not, we're done. Do with we really you. think we... that the fans like? Are the fans that stupid that they
0: think that cheering for a night or two and, and not seeing the results was, was okay? Now, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna boo this guy because. He didn't. He didn't make my my
1: ovation pay off. Like I don't you're, know. You're putting you're putting me in a bad spot. Do do I think, <laughs> yeah. do I think that all fans are that way? That's stupid. No, I don't. I don't think all fans. And I like to think that the people who listen to this podcast sure. are not are not of that ilk. Okay, <laughs> but. Are there fans out there, what I call the lowest common denominator fans, right? Are those fans out there, and they are big-time sports radio listeners, okay? Are those fans out there and feel that way? Yes. Yes, there are. There was a a guy sitting in front of the press. Not that this has anything to do with anything, but this is an example of what I'm talking about. There was a guy sitting in front of us in the press box at 200 level, and he was getting more hammered as the game went along, but kept – Screaming his head off at Bryce Harper every time he came up at how much he sucks, how terrible he is. And he's in a Phillies uniform, a Philly shirt, right? He's wearing a Phillies. He's all Phillies geared up. And he's cheering for every other player, but has this absolute hatred for Bryce Harper. The guy's a moron, okay? But the fact of the matter is, is that he's not alone in this world. There are other people like him. So to answer your question, yes, there are people who feel that way. And I actually had a conversation with Jack about this, and, I, and I, I gave him a lot of kudos because I said, listen, I said, the coolest thing about this is that what you did is you made fans feel like they were part of something that is a, is a Philadelphia sports story mm-hmm. that they could talk about forever. I said, so you ra- you gambled a little bit because if it didn't work, you'd have ego in your face, right? But you, it, it, you know it ended up being a perfect storm for the weekend. And if Turner goes fourth and has, you know, a good two months here and he's the Trey Turner everybody thought you were going to get, this will be remembered forever in Philadelphia sports lore as, you know, what turn, what fixed Trey Turner, the fans giving him standing ovations. So all that stuff like, is legitimate in the sense of where the fans fit in the in the in the grand scheme of, of Philadelphia sports. Um but the the reality is is it was so contrived that it happened every at bat for three days. It was like, all right, enough. You wanted to do it the first at bat, okay, fine. You want to do it until he gets a hit, okay, fine. I mean, it was it, like, but uh, all right, he got the. Now the next day, let's well, do that, it all that's again. That's my hope.
0: Like, listen, I and I hear that. Like, it's it's compounding. You're like, all right, this is his eleventh at bat now. <laughs> that's <laughs> kind of where I'm like okay now we've had a day off we did it <laughs> you know the fans fixed Trey yeah can we can we just put it in the past now like I, I just hope that we're not doing this all week like and and maybe someone's listening to this and saying like ah come on man like we're gonna do this every half for the remainder of the year like well, I, and, and the other thing that drives me nuts I'm not to tell fans what they should or shouldn't do down there but like yeah the, uh, the other conversation school, is like, true. let's just leave this in the rear view
1: yeah the other conversation about this all that drives me nuts is is that you know, when people suggest, well, why don't we do this for Schwarber? And it's like, well, he's been he's been here, <laughs> here. Nola. We ain't gonna go to Nola either. Now these guys, they've been here. Trey's new. He needs to understand what we're about. And it's like, please, please, <laughs> please, people. You know. And then the whole thing about, oh my god, the players loved it. They thought it was fantastic. Didn't you hear everything that they said? What were they going to say against it?
0: Yeah, I. <laughs> You we did honestly have... think they
1: were going to say, "Yeah, it was kind of corny." It's
0: like nobody's going to say that. Yeah, it was like in the in on Friday night, and when Turner hits the home run, certainly the players are just happy for what happened to Trey Turner. Yeah, like, you you could see some of the players having some sure.
1: fun. Like, sure, sure, they're going to. But that's what, they would have done that even if that didn't sure. exist, right? Sure. Right? I mean, they, they, that's how they are. That's how this group is. So, like that. Like to me, it's like it, we we took it way too far. That, that's all I was. That's all I think. So, anyway. right. so you didn't, you
0: didn't hate it in its, its entirety, but you, you know,
1: I, it, I was not pay on the pagan level. I just thought it went,
0: I, I, I said to pagan. I said, yo, man, I said, you gotta, you gotta let it breathe. I said, you, you're just on the, you're on the wrong side right now. Like yeah. it doesn't matter if you're on the right side, like, <laughs> the, the the current the force of this is 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 against you just let it go take the l
1: <laughs> yeah i would no but I, I i still am i'm closer to pagan than i than i am to you know jack okay so if you want I'm, so i'm, I'm more in the, more towards the middle but probably like slightly to pagan so.
0: yeah well i'm in the car on sunday afternoon and uh i'm listening to the post game show and uh bryce harper gets on with with uh scott in la and he goes on this <laughs> Four-minute, just gushing yeah. monologue for his about his admiration for the fan base, and and I just said okay, like I'm listening to it, and I'm like this is this is a, this is a post on Crossing Broad, but then he says I wish I started my career here, and I said oh yeah, I said this is perfect. So you know you open up Twitter. And, uh, let's see, how did I, how did I do this? Bryce Harper on the post game radio broadcast talking about the fans. I wish I started my career here. And, uh, this thing has this morning, 2 million impressions on Twitter, 7,200 likes. And, uh, let's see here, 890 retweets. This thing went nuts. And then obviously all the people that clip audio, they put it up and it just went, it went crazy online because it does two things. First of all, let's Philly, Philly's fans feel like, see, this is one of the best athletes in the country. He loves us. And, <laughs> and you feel great about it. And then also it gains a lot of steam because then all the people down there in Washington are going, yo, what, the, what the fuck? We loved you. We loved you here. And then you left. And even if you should have left, and we understand why you left, like why are you doing us like that? And 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 then you get the people chiming in like, oh, yeah, well, you don't have a ring. You know, you'll never have a ring. We have a ring. Yeah, it's so like that whole thing was just going oh. on. Like I knew that was going to strike a chord on multiple levels.
1: And, and let me add one other layer, an element to this, because I'll be honest with you. Being around this team, and I think you know this as well, Bryce Harper never says anything that isn't calculated.
0: Absolutely.
1: Okay. So you know that this is something that he was going to say that he knew he was going to say.
0: I think Bryce Harper put 300 words in front of that <laughs> part of the quote just to dilute it a little bit.
1: Yes. But,
0: right. I mean, well, he's going to just he said it, that, was in like, well, there. that wasn't by accident. You and,
1: know? Uh, an, oh, by the way. We, play, we have four games with the Nationals.
0: It gets the Nationals this <laughs> week.
1: <laughs> so, yes, very, very well orchestrated by by Bryce Harper, who knows how to pander to an audience better than uh, almost any athlete that's come through this city in a long, long time.
0: Absolutely. But I, I will say, I think that there is certainly there's some – what's the word I'm looking for? In, like, real estate, they call it puffing, like, you know, yeah. over-exaggerating. Yeah. But – I think that there is a sense from him that like, yeah, this crowd, especially the last year dating back to last October, knowing what it can be like, this crowd's pretty awesome. Like these people are yeah. crazy. I love play- like I think Bryce Harper like loves playing for these fans. I do. But does he sort of dress it up a little bit to the yeah. point of like, all right, man. Yeah, he does.
1: I agree. I, th- I think Harper is, you know, we know how uber competitive he is. And I think that, you know, we know from the past how, interactions with the fans have fueled him like you know when guys chirp him and then he hits a home run and he comes back and he starts chirping back at the fans right like we've seen that before in different cities not this, even here like he's had people chirp him in philly that he's chirped back at right I mean, so so like he's fueled by that for yeah, sure absolutely. and so i do think that there's it's not like he's making this up there isn't there's certainly an element of truth to it you know it's it's legit but like i said the the words that he chose were chosen very specifically for that moment yes
0: uh all right i have to uh jet out of here actually but i can do a a one last thing here before we just i'm just gonna
1: i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say uh four words for one last thing okay fight night in cleveland
0: (laughs) down goes anderson Down goes Anderson. One of the best radio calls I've ever heard. Unreal. It, like the way he flips the switch, and I know it's been said, but you just can't help but but not focus on it. It's like yeah. he, he's this baseball announcer, and all of a sudden it's like boom—he's Howard Cosell, like instantaneously. <laughs> Yes. It was awesome.
1: It was unbelievable. My favorite one of my favorite things too that I think didn't get enough uh, play was you know how they have uh, MLB has like the Gamecast, Game Day thing where you actually it's like that computerized image <laughs> of the players running around, you know, like what happens. And then all of a sudden you have all these little computer players like gathering <laughs> at second base. Like Turning what is around at second
0: base? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, and it it was like a real throwback. Like I feel like in a way, like I I was almost expecting like, what's the reaction to this going to be. And like, I was wondering if people are going to be like, there's just no place for that in today's game or like, you hate to see this. And everyone was like, that was awesome. Like Terry Francona is like, Hey, you gotta let him figure it out. You know? And
1: yeah, you have the
0: announcer down goes Anderson. People are like online going crazy about it. I will say like, two different things here real quick one the white Sox are a mess and like Tim anderson is having a hell of a year and not in a good way and there's been all these reports about friction in in that locker room and stuff but um i just thought it was i thought it was like really funny the way that everyone sort of handled it like just kind of like yeah it was uh, that was good it was it was baseball.
1: For- yeah, well, I mean, you know, the whole and we'll talk about this next time. Yeah, we I mean, Kenyon Middleton um, talking about yeah. how there's no rules and yeah. players are sleeping in the bullpen, missing meetings, like things like that. It's mess yeah. in Chicago. Bob-ass. But the, the the best part of this whole thing is Ramirez clocks Anderson and he gets he goes down after getting it across the jaw jo- across the chops. Anderson gets twice as many game suspension games suspensions <laughs> as Ramirez. That's three. Yeah. I think once you get into the
0: fight, if you're gonna if you're gonna get into the fight and you win, like there should be a prize for that.
1: So yeah, that, that, was his, you know? that was his prize.
0: So yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for the latest episode of Crossed Up. You can follow us on Twitter. Show account is at upfillies. Oh, you can follow Anthony online. Uh, he'll be down there. Are you doing all 10 on this homestand, or are you going to send me down there for a day? I was,
1: well, was going to talk to you about this, but all you got to right, go to we'll, a meeting. So. We'll,
0: we'll talk about that uh, later this afternoon. You can follow him on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. You follow me at Bob underscore Wankel. And we will talk to you on Friday.